good evening, everyone. Everyone is so quietly settled tonight. Um, anybody who's coming in, of course, you're really welcome to move down close to the front so we can have a nice close-in conversation and go off to assigned seats later. So formally, good evening and welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco, and to welcome you to our last program of the 2015 repertory season, and this is Friday night, May 1st, 2015. It's been an exciting season. We're finishing with a bang. Romeo and Juliet is one of our most exciting productions. And I'm sure that you have all seen the announcement of next season's repertoire, which is going to be, yet again, exciting and wonderful. The Center for Dance Education will continue to produce programs such as this, the Meet the Artist interviews, on Friday nights and Sunday afternoons, right before the performances. And then, of course, the... Um, Wednesday night points of view programs that happen free, open to the public, whether you're ticketed or not. There will be Ballet 101, there will be a repeat of many of our successful adult education programs, and then of course there will be many of the programs for children, both here, uh, community matinees and our very well-renowned uh, dance in schools and communities programs. Uh, all of this can be found in notes in your program and, of course, on the website. There we are. <laughs> Going to be blind at any moment. Um, the uh, website is your go-to, sfballet.org, where there is all kinds of um, information, videos of the dancers, news of upcoming events. The blog is one of the most entertaining and informative areas. So do make yourself familiar with the website if you're not already. This evening, I'm very pleased that we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be in conversation uh, with um, a member of our corps de ballet, but a dancer who I know that many of you are becoming quite familiar with, Julia Rowe. Welcome, Julia. Thank you. Hi. One of our treats is to be able to, um, well, th this program is called Meet the Artist. So this is going to serve as a get acquainted time with Julia. As I said, she's been seen in some significant roles this season. It's only the end of her second season with the company, but um, I forecast all kinds of great things. Um, it's fun to learn a little bit about the life of a dancer in the core and how the dancers uh, of our company come to our company and are trained. So those, that's some of the areas that we'll be delving into. Um, let's just start you know, why not start at the very beginning? Um, tell us how you came to San Francisco Ballet and maybe where you started. Okay, um, I began my formal training at the Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, and I trained there under the direction of Marcia Dale Weary for 10 years around that. 
amount uh, before I uh, went to the year-round program here at uh, San Francisco Ballet School uh, for a year before joining Oregon Ballet Theater for five years, and then I came back, and this is the end of my second season. So that was the synopsis, but um, I think generally um, I just, I owe most of my um, experience to my time in uh, Pennsylvania and then also my, you know, polishing uh, here in the school for a year. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the Central, Ball uh, Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. <laughs> Yeah, too bad that it has a complicated name. CPYB for short. Yes, okay. Um, we have any number of alumni in our company who have come from that school and that training, starting with, I don't I think, starting with Tina LeBlanc, right? who was one of our beloved dancers for many, many years and is now in the faculty of the school. Yep. Um, Kristen Long. Mm -hmm. Vanessa. Zahorian. So far, so good. <laughs> so, um, can you maybe reflect a little bit on the kind of training that you got there that produces A, great dancers, and B, dancers that seem to fit to San Francisco Ballet? Well, I think generally uh, dancers that come from CPYB tend to have a very strong work ethic and a very good understanding of technique. Uh, I would say that that's probably due to the fact that from a very young age, we danced a lot and we, danced, we were taught to think about what we were doing while we were doing it. And that's something I can still hear my teacher's voice in the back of my head to this day. So I think that work ethic and that um, sensitiveness to the finer details of technique probably give us an advantage, especially in a place like this that's of such high caliber. So, You've said several things that I really enjoyed hearing about having to think. Yeah. And, um, and also the fact that you danced a lot. And I know that that a lot of performing opportunities. Um, one of the things I think about when I think of Tina and Kristen and Vanessa, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. There must be a couple of others um, who are known for extraordinarily strong technique and doing what we would call the powerhouse roles. Um, we've seen you this season in of all things, vertiginous thrill of exactitude. If that isn't powerhouse technique, I don't know what is. Do you, um, do you think that that was a part of the training? And how much do you really enjoy being thrown out there and made to do the hardest things that are possible? Well, that's the most fun I can ever have on stage, to be completely honest. But um, I think that the reason why I was able to be thrown into something like that is that I had such a strong understanding of technique and that came directly from my training. What other parts have we seen you in this season that 
some of these featured parts? Um, I got to do a part in Val Canaparoli's Lombarena. I was in Serenade. I was one of the four um, Russian girls in Serenade. Which is one of the harder technically demanding... Um, I did the sugar plum in the Nutcracker, which <laughs> is not the easiest. Um, let's see. Uh, Giselle. Giselle, I did the peasant pot of sank, and um, one of the two, uh, I did Moina, mm-hmm. which is one of the two sol- demi-soloists. Um, yes, in Giselle, um, Helgi has this incredible depth of solo performers that he can call upon. Yeah. And so when he choreographed his version and expanded that segment in the first act from just a pas de deux to a pas de cinq, um, or maybe, well, it can be a pas de deux, pas de trois. You know. um, he just came up with as many tricky, hard things to showcase his soloists as he could. <clears throat> so there you were again. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, the the choreography for that is particularly demanding in that it's not just about the technique, but also about the quality of the movement, which I, I enjoy quite a bit. So we keep talking about strong technique, and we're talking about a very particular kind of movement. We're talking about old-fashioned ballet. Mm. So there's other kinds of movement, there's other kind of dance. Um, this company does a broad range. So what other things do you like to do? Um, one of the most rewarding experiences I've had so far, besides getting to do um, the vertiginous thrill of exactitude, um, was working with Liam Scarlett. Um, I was um, in the original cast of, the, of Hummingbird, and I got to work with him directly, uh, which was a fantastic experience because he appreciates um, good technique and a good, you know, a good base. But if any of you have seen the ballet, you know that it's about so much more than that. So using what you know um, to express something bigger was really, really fulfilling for me. And expanding your movement possibilities is something that he would demand and I'm thinking of another thing that um, I believe you were in Val Canaparoli's piece last year. Lombarina. Well in Tears. Oh and in Tears, yes. So we're talking about stretching all kinds of different styles. What kind of background do you have that prepares you for appearing and presenting the more contemporary styles of ballet? Um, Training-wise, very little. Um, But uh, experience-wise, in my five years at Oregon Ballet Theater, I was lucky enough to do a wide range of repertory that really um, challenged me and forced me to grow in the way that I moved. So... 
One of the things that that serves as a little bit of a segue to my next question, but before I do that, I just want to um, mention to those of you who've come in since we started, I'm in conversation with Julia Rowe, who is currently a member of the Corps de Ballet and has been seen this season in all kinds of um, exciting and significant parts. Uh, I also want to mention that um, we have this amazing thing this season, which is called the Lookbook. I hope all of you have a lookbook and that you've been collecting signatures from the dancers and the staff. Julia has agreed to provide signatures. If you will go up to the mezzanine to the boutique following our conversation from 7.30 until about five minutes to eight, she will be up there signing lookbooks. So we needed to remember to mention that. Um, contemporary, oh, I know. You danced for five years in what is essentially a very small company. And here you are in a, I think the third largest company in the United States and certainly one of the biggest companies in the world. Talk about some contrasts. Um, well, uh, because this company is a lot larger and has more of a I don't know. I don't know how to put it other than the dancers here are phenomenally good. And being surrounded by so many um, talented people can be incredibly daunting but incredibly inspiring. Um, that being said, it was also similar in Oregon, but there were only 30 of us. So um, the amount of inspiration you could draw from your co-workers was limited just by the amount of size um, of the company. But one of the advantages to that is that you get a lot more attention and coaching um, from a smaller uh, company. So I'm, I'm actually very glad that I did that first. So I can remember what people have said to me and kind of do my own coaching here. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I feel very, very lucky to have had both experiences, I think. And in this company, of course, the not only the size of the ensemble, I mean the size of the the organization, but the breadth of the repertoire probably is something that is certainly a, a challenge. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that drew me here was the was the rep and the quality of the rep. Um, we we did great great ballets in Oregon, um, but again, just a, a limited quantity. Um, so. And shorter seasons. Short. And, yeah, a much short, yeah. much, much shorter season. Um, before we offer our audience a chance to ask some questions, let's talk about Romeo and Juliet. So we oftentimes, um, it's a, it's a two-sided coin that we get to have you to talk to, but we're not going to get to see you perform tonight. Right. However, if the audience members were to come back, how, what would they see you dancing? Um, I'll be an acrobat in, um, in Act 2, 
and I also learn Juliet's friends in Act Three. So, so we have that to, and there are what eleven performances? Yep, something like that. So several opportunities, and if those of you who've seen the performance before remember what she's talking about, the acrobats. What kinds of nutty things do you get to do as an acrobat? Um, well, I have two boys throw me up into the air and catch me by my armpits. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, there's a particularly tricky turning sequence going, going across the stage. Um, there's all sorts of head kicking fun kind of lifts with the, it's, it's a girl and two boys, so we're constantly changing positions and generally we're just there to be the entertainment in the town scene, so it's, it's a lot of fun. You can get to play with it. Do I remember a cartwheel? Oh, so many cartwheels. <laughs> so, you know, there was stuff in your training that you never knew you were going to use, right? <laughs> well, I wish I was trained in cartwheeling, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, does anyone in the audience want to start with a question now? We can kind of keep this a fluid conversation, but let's start here. Yeah, and I'll repeat the question. You've talked about the work ethic and how difficult it is to study this. So how do you relax? How do you first take off? Great question. Uh, he's talking about the work ethic, not only of an individual dancer, but all of them. And what do you do when you're not working, when you're relaxing? Well... Um, we don't get a whole lot of time during the season to do any, much of anything outside of dance, but um, one of my favorite things to do is to swim. I enjoy reading. Um, I enjoy uh, music. Um, I act actually, when I get the chance, I tend to go across the street and listen to the symphony. Um, it's great to be in the area because we're in such close proximity to so many amazing uh, opportunities like that. Anybody else wants to? Um, how about like right here? What can you tell us about the Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet in terms of its organization and its? Um, yeah, is it a professional company or? Tell us. <laughs> um, it's a school. Um, it started off as a very, very small school run by um, this woman, uh, Marcia Dale Weary. Um, it has grown from a local uh, like ballet and tap studio into what it is today, which is an internationally renowned training ground for professional ballet dancers. But as far as I know, it um, receives its funding uh, almost solely from contributions and tuition. and tuition, yeah. So no, it's not a professional company. It's not associated with any uh, professional uh, ballet company. It, uh, they perform a lot, but they don't, they're not professional. It's sort of the, um, the ballet recital grown up. Very, very much grown up, yes. <laughs> and I think that's a I wonder if that's a more unusual thing in the United States to have a large professional caliber school that is not attached to a company. I, I think, think CPYB is pretty unique in that 
respect. Hmm. Um, you're, and speak up, please. I'm sorry, say that again. How old were you when you discovered you had the talent to be a dancer? Well, I, I started dancing when I was seven, but I don't know if I ever thought that I had the talent to be a dancer. I just knew it was something that I had to do. So um, pretty early on, I decided that if I could, I wanted to make this um, my career. Let me jump in with um, a question. Many, many of the training dancers in this era do what's known as the summer intensives. Yes. Did you do this circuit of summer intensives? Yes. Um, I stayed in, uh, CPYB also has a summer intensive that I did for years and years. But um, when I was 15, I auditioned for basically any summer intensive I could think of. Um, and the only one I got into was San Francisco Ballet Schools. <laughs> so I came here. And that kind of started my love affair with this company and this city. So, What were the other companies thinking? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty short. <laughs> so that <laughs> might have had something mm -hmm. to do with it. But, I mean, when you're 15, mm -hmm. it's hard to tell. You know, and they have to m make their best educated decision of, you know, what kind of 15-year-old could eventually grow up into the kind of dancer that they're looking for. So, oh, good point. I don't blame them. <laughs> I was just thinking uh, that sometimes it's when you are auditioning for those intensives and you are being chosen, that's oftentimes the moment when the little bell about talent or potential goes off. I think it happened earlier for me. I think when I was about eight or nine and I, I got to perform for the first time, um, doing like real ballet steps and I got to kind of show off what I had learned in front of people, it, I realized that this is something that I, I wanted to do and if I could do it for as long as possible, I, I would try. Oh, so many questions. Um, let's see, you had your hand up, way up. Did you hear it? Can you repeat it just a little louder? Say more about thinking and in your early career, um, professional career. Right. Um, well, as, as I was saying, we were taught um, in school to really think about what we were doing as we were doing it or before we do it. Um, and I think, uh, I think um, in, in my early career, it was kind of what saved me in a way I wasn't prepared for everything that was going to be thrown at me in such a small company at such a young age. I was 18. And so I really had to go back to my, um, back to my training and 
remember what had been taught and remind myself that, you know, the way that you learn something is like layers on a cake and you have to build and build and build and trust that you'll get there. Um, and then while you're dancing to have thought behind every movement so that what you're trying to convey to the audience gets across. Oh. So. I'm, there's so many other questions. If we were to run out of them, I have one more for you, but let's go here. That's a wonderful question. When dancers are alternating roles, what's different from one performer performance to the next? And he's saying, you're going to see another dancer do an acrobat tonight. When right. they come back to see you do it, how is it going to be different? Well, it's, <laughs> it's going to be me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually incapable of doing it the same way as someone else, which is the beautiful part about what we do. So I try to Im imbue every movement I do with a little part of me so that it can be as special as possible so that I can share it with you. That's so I, I think... <laughs> makes me want to come back tomorrow and see you do it. Um, how are we doing? Oh, one more. Uh, yes. You're classically trained, you're asked to do something modern. Does it go against the grain? Does it throw you to have to do something that's counter to that classical strict training? Yes, <laughs> which is why it's so thrilling and why it's so interesting to me. Um, because when you're thrown off a little bit, you're forced to cope. And the way that you choose to cope with it and think about things changes the performance. So, yeah. She's back to thinking again. <laughs> Maybe I think too much. <laughs> but, well, editorial comment, that's not what comes through, other than <laughs> what comes through is intelligent dancing, but you look like you're enjoying what you're doing, and I think that's what we all appreciate. Oh, I definitely am. We are at the point where we're going to wrap up. I do want to remind you that you need to go to our website for, every, for everything. Um, these interviews and programs are recorded, so at some time in the near future, you can go to the website and find podcasts and review this interview and savor the things that um, Julia was able to say to us, as well as many of the other programs that you've seen and heard this year. I want to say I probably won't see this audience again this year. It's been a wonderful year. It's been a fabulous season, but I'm looking forward to next season, and I know you all are too. And now I hope you will all stampede up to the boutique where you will pick up your lookbooks if you don't already have one, or if you brought yours, you can take it for 
Julia to sign. Thank you, Julia. You're very welcome. And enjoy this evening's performance. Thank you. Mm -hmm.